Hi, and welcome to the 21st episode of Desert Island Punks. I'm Jake and I play in punk rock band Sunliner, and this is my podcast where I ask friends of mine and people I admire in the punk rock scene what five albums, book, and luxury item they would take if they were stranded on a desert island. We talk about why they love those records and how those choices would influence who they are today. This week I'm joined by Kay, a specialist subject. We had a chat via the medium of the internet and Zoom. Uh, we talked about her love for compilation CDs, Woolworths and self-help books. Um, I really, really hope you enjoyed the episode. It was a lot of fun to do. Uh, thanks a lot for listening. Uh, if you want to support the podcast, please rate and subscribe or check out our Patreon, which is at patreon.com forward slash Desert Island Punks. Thank you. Okay, welcome. Welcome to Desert Island Punks. How are you doing? Uh, all right, thank you. Thanks for having me. Thanks for asking me on. Oh, it's all right. Um, how's all... Th- well, we've just spoke about this, but how's all things as a specialist? <laughs> uh, so we are currently... Me and Andrew are isolating in our house and working from home, and Rory's been going in to do the mail order every day, which is amazing. And then Erica is in the US, which she was anyway... Um, so actually, that's been kind of her working remotely hasn't really changed anything. Mm. But obviously, we've had to very quickly adjust to closing the shop and the exchange venue closing and all sorts of fun things. So, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're kind of getting by. Yeah. the um, You said the online sales have been doing pretty well. I suppose everyone's stuck at home wanting records. Yeah. So, I mean, the shop makes up half of the income of the business so it's pretty terrifying to like close half of the business suddenly uh but I think like we've been doing lots of things like we've got lots of exciting things going on at the moment so Champit's album's out next Friday and we and Muncie Girls put out an EP just a couple of weeks ago so I guess there's like there's lots of new stuff that people can pick up and if they haven't picked it up already they're they're doing so now so sure, yeah, yeah it's very appreciated are you um were you has it changed how you like putting stuff out and it's like so you have you just stuck to the same sort of deadlines you were doing before or um it's a bit disrupting we well yeah it's like we're massively we were very lucky that the only thing that's come out since we've closed is Charm Pit and I guess it was too soon for it to for us to be able to put it back I mean the records had already turned up and sure. uh, you know all the digital stuff's being submitted and it does take a couple of weeks to sort all the stuff like that out and with our distributors and things like that so um, it was kind of too late for us to push that back but also there was enough time that if it had come out that Friday when everyone had to suddenly work from home and everything, like I think all music was just not on anyone's minds at all. Like yeah. everything, like if you looked at news feeds, like I couldn't tell you any records that came out in the last two weeks and I listened to music all day, every day. So <laughs> um, I was very glad that we kind of missed that. And I'm hoping that by next Friday, people will be excited about, having something new and being introduced to something new and it's so positive and summary and I think it's like a like sounding wise it would be a nice kind of break from I don't know 
a PM talking or something. <laughs> yeah, I think that's the thing is it's going to get to, you know, it's only going to be a week down the line. Everyone's going to like completed Netflix and going to yeah. want like new shit to get excited about. And I was like, uh, yeah. I mean, like uh, my band are not far away from releasing some music. And it's a bit like we're up in the air whether we had like a date set in mind. We think we might change it. But like obviously now more than ever, people are looking at the internet and are like, you know, looking at things that are happening and maybe it is kind of weirdly kind of a good time to release stuff, I suppose. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot with uh, Cosmet. So this is the, a new band that I've been doing with uh, Jeremy from Asturias and Steve from Asturias and Erica Freeze. She's playing guitar and Max from Toodles and the Hectic P. He's playing drums and we recorded a demo a few months ago and we we wanted it out as soon as possible. We were absolutely chuffed with how it sounds. And now we're like, oh, what do we do? Yeah. It's hard to focus, like, glad... nobody's touring or anything. So it's like... Yeah. I mean, we weren't going to tour anyway. So it was just to sort of introduce people to the band, really. And I'm still excited about doing it. And I'm kind of glad that it's my own project that I'm having to worry about. I haven't got to worry about a band that has maybe got expectations that sure. you know a band that I'm in isn't going to have the same expectations as someone that we've never worked with before and stuff so yeah we'll see <laughs> I suppose it's kind of exciting in its own own way yeah <laughs> um cool so I'm gonna send you off to a desert island um, mm-hmm. soz uh, I mean is is it better than I'm pretty much <laughs> on that right now right yeah I suppose yeah may, may, probably marginally worse <laughs> Um, Maybe. Uh, so you get five records. What would be your first record? Okay. Uh, so the first one is a double CD that my parents bought from Our Price in 2001. Nice. And it's called The Best Northern Soul All Nighter Ever. Um, and honestly, I couldn't tell you a single band that like is playing on it, a single musician. I couldn't tell you the track list but I the music was like a soundtrack to not like it being on CD was a soundtrack to me being like a teenager and you know having it on in the house but it was I remember my parents buying this CD because they grew up on Northern Soul my my I grew up in Wolverhampton which has like got a huge Northern Soul history and Mm -hmm. my dad used to go to this club called the Catacombs which is like a massive uh northern soul club night that happened and um it was this compilation coming out i remember them being really excited and my parents don't really get that excited about music so it was like a weird thing for me to witness as like a teenager when i was sort of getting into pop punk at the time and blink 182 and uh i'd grown up my when i was really really young my parents had a record player set up and I kind of had free reign and I was allowed to just play all their records despite having no idea how to look after them (laughs) and then as kind of rooms got redecorated and stuff that all went in the attic and I just hadn't listened to that music in a long time and my parents hadn't like made any effort to listen to that kind of music so it yeah it would it would be the the CD that not only makes me think of the early 2000s, it also makes me think of my childhood and my parents and my family. So that would yeah. be my first pick. Yeah. Oh, cool. Yeah. So it's like, um, I mean, I don't know what age you were around that sort of time. Was that like sort of teenage years, was it? 
Yeah, so 2001, I'd have been in year 11 at school, so like yeah. 16 years old. Yeah, I think like I, I think I definitely remember that whole sort of like I don't know why, but I have Woolworths in my head. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> like going out and getting like a now CD from like Woolworths or something. Then yeah, I mean that kind of leads quite nicely onto my second choice, which like <laughs> me and my brother grew up on like pop music, and my brother was really into. He had technology before anyone else. He was the first person in the house to have a CD player. He was the first person in the house to have a DVD player and a mini disc player, like years before we had a DVD player in our living room and things like right, that. Right, yeah, yeah. Um, so my next, so, and he always had compilations. Every Christmas he would have the Now compilation. And I remember my, my Nana Cav, uh, for one birthday, she got me this CD called The Best Party in the World. Ever. <laughs> like, <laughs> like is, underlined like it's never getting yeah. bad than this <laughs> and it's honestly got the most i've got it here because i found it oh right it's got the most ridiculous cover ever it's like <laughs> a woman in a tiny dress with a heart outside like cut out of the like stomach it's got like a dog wearing a medallion <laughs> and it's got like people in like massive flares and maracas and stuff. And honestly, like it's, we listened to this on New Year's Eve because I found it in like a suitcase. I thought this was like long gone and I've listened to it quite a lot since, but it's like Entrance, Chumbawamba, Spice Girls, oh, Hot man. Chocolate, Village People, Human League, Tina Turner, Run DMC featuring Aerosmith, Casey and the Sunshine get banned, Cool and the Gang, Chic, and then like Spice Girls, Eternal, Backstreet Boys. No I mean, that one. is it's pretty like, strong. <laughs> it's everything. Yeah. And I feel like it covers everything. It covers all genres. The last thing is like Monty Python, always look on the bright side of life. Like if you're oh, stuck strong. on a desert island, why would you not want to, you know, if I mean, it'd be a lonely you, party, I suppose, but it would be so yeah. strong. Yeah, and that it just reminds me of like being a a young teenager and like having dance routines with my friends and just like yeah, just parties like going to like teenage discos and things like that. It's and funny. I think yeah, it's, it's funny that it's got uh, Monty Python on there. I mean, yeah, I'm, weird, I'm down right? with that, but like yeah, it's not exactly like I don't know new music, is it? No, that's what's weird about it. It's like. The newest tracks obviously got like Spice Girls and stuff, but then it's also got stuff from like the seventies and the eighties, and that's what I quite like about it because it is—it's just so weird. And it's got loads of remixes on it as well, which is weird. It's like they obviously didn't get the like permission to have like the proper version of it, so there's right, like yeah, yeah. a a weird bunch of like edits and radio like yeah it's weird it's funny <laughs> i think it's like it's kind of one of those things that's a little lost now isn't it compilations because they kind of carried on for a while but like i don't know i mean i suppose playlists have probably taken it over but there's something yeah. like relatively special about like a cd that's got 20 tracks and you know which one's coming next you know yeah like, oh good yeah i mean that's how uh, you've like perfectly put it onto my next one which is a <laughs> short music for short people oh yeah so it's like 130 second punk songs but you could put you could place me anywhere in those 101 punk songs and i will know like a weird kind of muscle memory of what track comes next and how it goes and how the introduction goes and it's like it's just a 
it's having like those compilations or those albums that you listen to over and over as a teenager that are just like embedded on your brain <laughs> yeah i think it's also like fat rec were like really good for doing that sort of stuff weren't they like i was thinking yeah. somebody a while back about like fat rec because they're kind of interesting because they're like one of those record labels and I, I think especially the subject kind of has this as well a little bit that has like its own fan base you know so if something comes out on fat rec like you already you've got like an inbuilt fan base there do you know what i mean everyone's just like on board immediately yeah and like i like everyone gets nostalgic about those samplers like i i just remember like they were half the price of buying an album and i i mean i could have chosen between like a bunch of different ones i had like a few fat wreck ones and punkorama ones when i was a teenager um I just, I kind of like, I've got a soft spot for like stupid music and stupid concepts. So like, I really liked short music for short people because you just got this like introduction to like that many bands all in one go. And from there, if you liked one song, you could go on to other things. And this is like, I've never been like a massive knowing, I've never knowingly been like a propaganda fan. And I've like, I... As a teenager, I never went and bought like propaganda CDs and I'd have probably told you that I like didn't know who they were. And then when propaganda played in Bristol a couple of years ago, I went along and I knew like loads of the songs and it was just from like different fat samplers that I owned when I was a teenager. And I was like, (laughs) oh, this is really weird. Like Like I do know this stuff. Embedded in your psyche. Yeah, definitely. And I think they're great. And I... I love that band. Was that was that the gig with Iron Sheik and Colony Wednesday? Was that the one? Yes, it was. Yeah, yeah. SWX. It was like the first dead punk show that had happened at SWX. So like all these punks that were so used to going to the exchange were all of a sudden in this like twelve hundred capacity nightclub and it, yeah. it was great. It was really Yeah, fun. I was there. Yeah, I remember like uh I just remember being amazed that they like there was that many people there. It's like I was suddenly like, oh shit, yeah. there's like an insane amount of propaganda fans talking about and <laughs> I just I mean yeah. like I suppose I knew that but also it still kind of it still feels like quite a small scene so I think yeah. that, like seeing that many people is still a bit like oh yay <laughs> yeah I think that was the one that like people really made the effort for so people who like I hadn't seen in 10 years and who've maybe like don't have the capacity to go to to punk shows anymore because they've got like work family commitments things like that um yeah they all kind of came out the woodwork which was nice yeah well i think again like propaganda one of those bands as well that have like such a like you know people that like propaganda love propaganda like, yeah you know, you definitely get... i remember my friend coming up to me and he was like oh god this band just means so much to me they like really got me into politics and like had this like massive like big amazing like you know this really cement cemented me getting into politics at like a really early age and like I don't know I I obviously we're like a a political label and very you know it affects our every day every day even more so right now like during this pandemic the seeing how politics affects everything um but when I was a teenager, completely oblivious, like pro- completely oblivious to like politics and being political and uh, until very recently, until within the last 10 years. Yeah. I mean, I think I was quite similar. I think when you're a kid as well, like it just seems like adult stuff, doesn't it? You know, it's like 
it doesn't feel like that's necessarily affecting you right then. Mm, of course yeah. it is, but you know, I was too worried about like making friends and trying to get a girlfriend and finding all this music yeah. <laughs> to, th- to think about like, you know, politics and how, how I afforded anything. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? Like, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, definitely. Um, cool. So what would be number four? Uh, so I, the last two, I kind of felt like, oh, I should probably put on something like more recent and uh, punk. So I'll, I'll kind of talk about these two together. So mm-hmm. one was like Martha Courting Strong. And it was basically like, I wanted something that would make me think of the kind of UK punk scene and even like further afield, kind of outside of special subjects and our day-to-day jobs and and this could have been anything this could have been like the first camp cope album or mm-hmm. uh so, something that basically makes me think of like people that i like in the band around the band went on tour with the band um and yeah just the i think causing song was like for me it like that martha album was really captured where the uk kind of went from this like gruff punk uh scene with like bangers and you know a million bands into this kind of like accessible political indie punk that was kind of you know kind of like open doors to like lots of things they could go and play like power pop indie pop all days and then also play like punk shows and things like that were diy and things that were bigger and uh yeah, I, I think I, I like Martha as a band that kind of capture um, that that kind of crossover time. Yeah, I suppose they're kind of a bit and of then, like a bit of like best of both worlds in a way, isn't it? It's like they're not yeah too far. And the other thing was like I really wanted to pick something off specialist subject because if I'm on a desert island, I'm not part of specialist subject anymore, and you know it's a huge part of my life. Um, so I went with the first Ship Present EP. Oh, cool. uh, which is kind of short changing myself because it's only a few <laughs> tracks is yeah. only an EP but I think I've got two double CDs on there to like make up for the time so um but yeah I mean that could have been anything I was kind of looking through our discography and I was like right now I really like the new Chomper album because I'm excited about that coming out and you know there's like a million things that I could have chosen but yeah, I think sure. the Ship Present record like I love Iona a lot I think her songwriting is amazing and I it always feels really special when I kind of remember to listen to that EP and how much I love it and if we play it in the shop anyone who comes in the shop will be like I love this EP I love this record yeah I remember when it came out it was like it had like a real buzz about it I think yeah and it's I think she's got a really good ear for um a melody yeah it's like yeah, especially like with uh, those, well, those songs and others, and like when she was in um, uh, Great, Great Cynics. Cynics. Well. Yeah, like a lot of the like, like the verses that can be just as catchy as the choruses and stuff like that. And like, I love. I don't know. Why I have a real soft spot for when there's like a song where like I almost prefer the verse to the chorus. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. I don't know why. I'm always just like, you nailed it. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But like, yeah. Um, yeah, definitely. I remember. Like, it feels like a while since they've done much. Uh, shit present they just take a bit of a break yeah I think like you know a lot of things have happened when you're around kind of 
punk for a long time and you're in bands that worked so hard and toured so much as like Great Cynics did and Shit Present mm-hmm. did when they first first started, um, you know, your lives change. Like the members of that band have like moved to different cities and sure, got different harder. jobs and yeah. And I think like Shit Present will only do stuff like I don't know. Like, I know that Iona's been writing and she's excited about doing stuff, but I think it's like, I if that stuff comes out into the world, I, I don't know. I hope it does. It would be amazing. Um, sure. Yeah. <laughs> I suppose you guys will be the first to know. Oh, yeah, I'd hope so. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, it just moves on to, like, EMI. <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> um, okay, That's cool. Funny. So uh, what book would you take? Uh, well, I've kind of put three in front of me because I felt like I shortchanged you when I was just like, I don't read. But no, it's, cool. it's <laughs> I'm like, I'm reading something at the moment that I'm really enjoying, which is uh, called 100 Fish Ponds Road, which okay. is, I, I picked, I, when we kind of had to close the shop and I knew that I'd be at home, I kind of grabbed all the books in the shop that I liked the look of and brought them home. And then I was like, you know I've got some reading material then I don't have to worry about it and I the reason that I knew about this is so 100 Fish Ponds Road was a Victor the site of a Victorian workhouse that is less than five minutes walk from my house now in mm-hmm. Bristol and I found out about it from the Bristol History Podcast which is um like a Bristol I think it's like Bristol Radical History uh, kind of group in Bristol mm-hmm. and I've only lived in Bristol for uh, just under three years it's not my home city or anything like that and but I have a house here and I don't intend on leaving here and I like the idea of like knowing about the history of where you live and I'm kind of interested in those things so uh, yeah like I'm listening to this podcast and then there's this book that's come out about it and it's very weird reading about neoliberalism and Victorian capitalism at a time that we live in right now. And it's, yeah, uh, yeah it's like, it's eerie how similar it is and, uh, you know, how uh, the government and capitalists will put uh, the economy and money over people's lives. And uh, yeah, very scary. Um, or very close to home <laughs> very close to home and maybe like if I was on a desert island I probably wouldn't want to read this but I just thought you know I'll, I'll show you that I am reading and <laughs> <laughs> I mean, yeah I think like what I said to you is that I would go for something that's like practical I, I really like reading things where I, I really like non-fiction so um, I find self-help books really good it's like I I can't afford therapy but I struggle with my mental health and I do find uh self-help books can be really useful in terms of like affirmation and um stuff and I like the idea that someone would write a book on self-isolation or desert island living and I would take that and then that would be like my companion (laughs) I get it I kind of speak to quite a few people now where like sort of how self-help books I think are having a bit of a I don't know a, a new like moment you know where people I, yeah. I, think, I think a while back people had a bit of like um 
it was almost like judging on self-help books as if they weren't like real oh like, I think there's so much like, like you know it's almost like a joke in like uh I don't know tv shows or it's like yeah, the butt yeah, of a yeah. joke would be about the like hippie self-help area in a library or something like that and yeah it's weird it's not something that I'd ever looked into before but um I read like Sarah Knight's book she does she's like the one who does like um the life-changing magic of not giving a fuck and get your shit together um and I <laughs> blunt. like yeah blunt and I yeah it's weird it's not something that I'd have like I don't know purposefully got into if people if someone hadn't like bought me a copy and recommended it and then I kind of got into the idea of that so I, I do think that like especially if you don't have the money to access um or you know the time to wait with waiting times for like mental health services I do yeah, think that like crazy, isn't it? books can be useful yeah now my other thing was um just like I really like gardening and I like um oh. I like reading about when to do things and stuff like that. So I, I'd like the idea of having a, um, a, a big thick handbook on desert Island crop rotation <laughs> <laughs> and propagation. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Food, like how, how I could be vegan on a desert Island and not have yeah. to kill fish or anything. Yeah. Fair enough. Oh yeah. I mean like that's, in the open, I don't know. You've got plenty of time. You're going to have plenty of time to learn how to do it. So you may as well That's get the biggest true. book you can. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. I think like sort of. I spoke to a few people about be- like being vegan on desert island and how it would. Uh, I mean, it depends what's there. It's probably plenty of coconuts. Coconuts yeah. are versatile. Live um, on coconuts forever and ever. So maybe <laughs> I guess the luxury island, I luxury item should be. I just get to smuggle in loads of seeds. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, okay, that's can, cool. I quite like the idea of seeds. Yeah, I can grow tomatoes and all sorts of things that you can grow on, I don't know, warm. So the uh the other the other suggestion you said was wasn't it moisturizer? Oh, like a really good moisturizer. <laughs> I mean, this is like I have always had like really, really bad psoriasis and um I don't use any kind of topical things and it, it's a it's a strange thing there's like obviously lots of stuff going on about like um lots of stuff in the media and things about autoimmune diseases and uh stuff like that and um yeah I, I do find that like the way that I deal with it is uh trying to do stuff quite like naturally so I don't use any like topical steroids I don't there's like autoimmune suppressants that you can have and there's like all sorts of things that you could do um but also the stuff like vegan diet being not um consuming gluten uh and like so many things that you can do that are like in your power and that's like the same for like eczema acne rosacea like all sorts of different um things that kind of come out on your uh, they kind of show themselves on your your skin, but they mm-hmm. are actually kind of like affected internally. They're like you know they're just the the uh, the the symptom, not like the the cause of it. So sure, yeah, yeah, I'd have like the 
I think with like sun, sea, my skin would be great, but a really great moisturizer would be like the the luxury treat. That yeah, I, yeah. <laughs> I get you. Um, cool. So, would you think you'd be good on a desert island? Like, would you? How, how would you survive? Um, how would I survive? Um, I don't know. I think like I'm quite used to being around with people. I I like working collaboratively. Um, you know, I run a business with my partner, and it's been really funny setting up my work from home desk uh in like the on a different floor of the house to Andrew it's like for the first time in years we're actually working not in the same room as each other oh yeah um, that's weird yeah it is kind of weird I mean we're we you know we're isolated at home but we're we're not actually just like sat across the table from each other which is how we've always worked so I mean if I was completely on my own I I don't know. I like to think that I'm like quite practical, but then I'm also quite lazy. So yeah, I don't know. <laughs> you would uh, you'd be okay with your own company then? Yeah, I'm okay with my own company. But then I I like I really like things like podcasts and background noise and background stuff so I don't know and I also really like my cat so maybe I'd have to like adopt an animal or something yeah you just get like a, a wild hog <laughs> yeah just whatever a wild hog whatever happens and, to be knocking about yeah yeah I'm sure it'd be fine I mean I just watched Tiger King I could get like a cub or something oh, that just would be my best mate <laughs> I've just finished that as well that is crazy that program it is it's wild I I thought after watching like the second episode, I was like, oh my God, this is absolutely mad. And then, yeah, it's like four episodes later and you're like, no, now it's actually mad. Like yeah. that, the earlier stuff seems tame in comparison. <laughs> I was just really, um, it's just when he uh, went in the running to be the president and I was just like, how did it get this far? <laughs> like, oh. How are you? You can't give spoilers. Like, oh yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I mean we could come up with something like equally mad to be like oh no just like put people off the trail but I, I don't think you can kill Dumbledore anything. yeah exactly yeah it was nuts when that happened <laughs> all right cool uh one last question um uh-huh. if so on this desert island you stumble across a book and this book has a spell in it and if you read this spell out loud you get transported back home but when you get home all music ever is Nickelback anything that <laughs> anything that uh, you hear or if you hum if you play guitar it all comes out Nickelback where do you go home uh what only me or like the rest of the world so everyone uh, else has to everyone also as well. everyone also hears Nickelback yeah how big is their back catalogue I think it's surprisingly big like, so they have, like I mean I mean, it's they have like, two it, greatest hits, so yeah. It, it can be like if you eat olives. It's like if you if you yeah. have something long enough, you begin to appreciate it and like it. Maybe people would be into it. Um, Might struggle to I, um, have a record label, perhaps. I mean, yeah. But then if I'm on a desert island, it's like, would that still be going without me? True. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. Probably. Um... I don't know. It's it's basically am I self sacrificing myself for all music ever? Uh, yeah, I mean, I I think music is pretty important. I I would hate to be 
maybe if I could do it, but no one knows that it was me that did it. Yes, yeah, so you're I not known as the bringer of Nickelback when you come home. Yeah. But then, and <laughs> the then, Nickelback like, queen. After, like, <laughs> after a generation or so, like, people wouldn't know that other music... It's only, like, you know, people that are alive now, they would know that there was a musical history. But anyone that was alive in the future, they would have, like, they would hear hearsay and fairy tales about other music that wasn't Nickelback. But then they wouldn't know any different. Also, are you allowed to... So if you're, like, humming and stuff, like, can the Nickelback songs be kind of um, reworked so, like, a ska band can do, like, ska versions of it? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, why not? I mean, I kind of like the idea of it. Yeah, I like the idea that it wouldn't just be, like... Nickelback as Nickelback, like you could rework it into like. It'd be pretty frustrating, and... though, wouldn't it? Like if you go see four punk bands and they're all playing <laughs> punk versions of Nickelback. But yeah, I mean that would be bad. All right, I'll self-sacrifice. <laughs> I'll let the world. Uh, how about if I self-sacrifice, but Nickelback has to disappear? Uh, yeah, I mean that. I suppose it could be a trade-off, sort of right. Indiana Indiana Jones-esque sort of trade-off. <laughs> All right, I'll go with that. I'll stay on the island for the the the, the protection of all music ever. <laughs> um, cool. And then before we sign off, is there anything you'd like to push? Anything you'd like to push? Uh, I would like to push. Champet's new album, uh, Cause a Stir, is out next Friday, the 3rd of April. That's bad if yeah, it rings a bell. Yeah. And it's amazing. And I hope that people give it time and... Uh, their listen because like it's so special I was so excited when they sent it to us and I I really think that it is a um a shining light that we we kind of need at the moment so yeah those they're all absolute badasses and uh yeah that's that's my one big push (laughs) oh sweet uh well Thank you very much. I hope you enjoyed it. It's great. Thanks so much. Yeah, cheers. Um, I'll just stop that. <laughs>